When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's a weird one. You sort of, um, oh, I suppose throughout the week you have a look, but you never actually know. And um, I sort of, I wasn't too nervous. I was sort of like, um, you know, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Like if it happens, it happens. And to be honest, I thought around one, I was a lock for three, and I got one. I'm like, oh, I've got a few, <laughs> few beers. Might have a few beers here, and then all of a sudden I got a few votes where I didn't think I would. So um, I think that's the beauty of the brownlow, though. You never know what's around the corner, and um, sometimes you you poll when you you're not expected, and sometimes you're under pole when you, you think you're going to get a few. But um, oh, I suppose the last few rounds, I started the nerves kicked in, and um, yeah, all of a sudden the the, the last result get, got called out, and and you're up on stage giving a speech, and um, you're a Brownlow medalist, which is it's pretty cool. Yeah, congratulations to Patrick Cripps. There he is on SEN today, uh, reflecting on what was a big night the morning after. For Patrick Cripps, and he joins that illustrious uh, list of Brownlow medalists. So uh, another West Australian done good. So uh, congratulations to everybody connected with uh, Patrick Cripps, family, friends, and, of course, now his teammates and everybody involved at the Carlton Football Club. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Monday Night. It is Drive with Peter Vlahos and Kim Hagdorn. It is grand final week. Uh, Last Thursday, when we were discussing with Hags, there was four left. Now the final two are standing. And it is Geelong who did it quite easily against Brisbane on Friday night. And, of course, literally, Sydney just uh, getting over the line. In a horse race, it would be the bob of a head that got him over the line against Collingwood uh, in what was a classic game at the SCG. Haggers, uh, a very good evening to you. G'day, Peter. How are you and everyone out there? Keen to hear from everybody what they thought about the Brownlow, even just the coverage itself. And I can self-indulge a little bit, Peter, suggesting that uh, I think I got the top five, but not in the order. (laughs) (laughs) I thought Clayton Oliver would win with about 33 votes. I thought he'd poll in about 15. I thought Lachlan Neal would be second with 31 from a... Well, 30-31 from 12 games. And Patrick Cripps, I had him for... 26 votes from about 10 games. As it turned out, I missed a cutlet. I missed, missed a three that uh, I didn't think Patrick Cripps would get. And Cripps with 29, polled in 12 games, seven best on grounds. Neil, seven best on grounds uh, in his 11 games for 28. Took Miller, I was uh, well, not surprised that he finished up in the top three. I thought I would have him in the top five or six. But to get 27 votes, polled in 13 games, more than mm. anybody else, more games than anyone else. And Andrew Brayshaw, I wasn't surprised that mid-20s was about what Andrew would finish up with. That I had him for 26 over the season. And uh, Clayton Oliver, I thought would get a few more. I was a little bit surprised. What, what was um, significant to me was the likes of Clayton Oliver and Christian Petrarca, who just seemed to dominate. When Melbourne were running hot and won that first 10, between the two of them, they were getting the votes in. I mean, Oliver's polled in eight of those 10 games. Petrarca, he polled in in six of those 10 games and Petrarca was getting more threes than Oliver. And when that was happening in the count, I thought, well, Oliver's not getting enough of the, 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 the threes that I thought he would get. I mean, he opened up with 
uh, three, four votes in the first three games, then missed, and then another one, then a three, then a two, then a three and a three. Uh, I thought he'd get more threes, Clayton Oliver. That's where I misread it. And uh, But outstanding performance from, Clay, uh, from uh, Patrick Cripps. A worthy winner because he's a great player. I'm not so sure that he should have been yeah, eligible and, and that's to been win the this. big talking point. It's been one of the talking points today because uh, a couple of weeks ago, Gillam McLaughlin was interviewed and it only came to light today, the actual audio uh, interview bombshell that released today saying that the AFL boss described the AFL Appeals Board infamous decision to overturn a two-match suspension as complete nonsense yeah, yeah. in inverted commas. So, yeah. And he says, uh, people are aware I was very agitated by that appeals board decision, according to Gillian McLaughlin, who, by the way, to be fair, did have a great night last night, the outgoing CEO of the AFL, on the back end of something like this. Melbourne C, the tracker, three votes. The guy's been playing for seven years, and he's still got his surname mispronounced. He said a Petraka. Yeah. Yeah, and you he went on. don't do that. That, that. that shatters your credibility for mine. Well, um, I, I get the impression that uh, Gillan McLaughlin's almost checked out. We know he's the, finishing. The Parcher Lounge? Well, and the, the, the big uh, signing was the television broadcast, right, mm. wasn't it? Now it's Tasmania. What's going to happen with Tasmania? Massive meeting in Melbourne today with all the club presidents, a presentation for the, uh, the, the Tasmanian push. You get, just get the impression, some of the, and, and some of the vision, I thought, uh, back at the AFL at uh, the finals last week where he's, you know, dancing and singing in the, <laughs> in the crowd. Uh, unnecessary from the chief executive. But the other part of you, med, you read that quote there, but th- this is further to what uh, Glenn McLaughlin has said in the AFL record. So mm. SEN and, and the owners of here have yeah. put this together a couple of weeks ago. It made no sense. So this was the decision to overturn from the from the appeals board the over to overturn the, the Patrick Cripps on the hit. back end of the MRO and the tribunal. Yeah, yeah. So the MRO gave him a two match ban for just a heavy hit mm-hmm. into into Calamachi. He's concussed, busted nose, didn't play the next two weeks. So it meaning that decision and the turnaround from the tribunal, it made no sense to me in any way. And it is frustrating to have a legal view about due process or procedural fairness, a complete nonsense, really affect a clear mandate to protect the head. That's from the chief of the AFL, and it's been quoted over the weekend in the records that have accompanied the preliminary Mm, finals. And mm. that's why it's come to light. And it's been such a huge story today because Gillan McLaughlin said that about his own system. Mm. And, And there's plenty more quotes here, but... So And he finishes off by saying, so I've asked the guys to review the system and we will see where that lands. Well, right now it's landed with you know, the, the chief executive making comments about the reigning Brownlow medal. Should he or should, should he not have been eligible to mm. win it? Even, even um, had he been rubbed out, it would have avoided him winning it because he wouldn't have been playing the last two games. He needed the last game, Peter, as we know now, to get the three votes to jump ahead of Lachlan Neal. So to go from 26 votes when he did get rubbed out, that still wouldn't have been enough to win it or be leading because Lachlan Neal had 27 at the end of round 21 also and he got one vote against Melbourne. But coincidentally, uh, the Melbourne game, when I thought Oliver might get three and win it, but he didn't quite have enough to be there. Mm. But 
So and Patrick Cripps got the three. He, he was best on ground in that game against Collingwood, where they yeah, lost by the last kick of the match, and th- within ten seconds of the end of the season, he was clearly best on ground. But let's look at our two teams, and uh, I've seen on social media today they've put the votes of Christian Petrarca and Clayton Oliver together, which I think was forty six, was it? Hag something like that. Yep. Clayton Oliver and Christian Petrarca together. And then they put the West Coast Eagles club voting. At 15. 49. 49, was it? And then you've got West Coast for a whole team, a whole season, 15, led by Josh Kennedy. And a lot of the West Coast Eagles supporters are thinking that everybody's having a cheap shot at them. Now, it was a disastrous 22 season, uh, and that was the worst total on record for a club uh, since the AFL came in 1990. And many people are saying, and I thought about it, is this the worst season by any club? since the AFL came in in 1990. Now, you mentioned Fitzroy when they were about to go up to Brisbane, maybe 1995, 1996. 97, they finished, yeah. Okay. But generally, uh, apart from GWS and Gold Coast, the more established clubs, and the Eagles have been there since 87, could this go down as one of the worst years in AFL history? Well, it's certainly, for, it's certainly West Coast. Because that was damning the Sandover medal last night. Josh Kennedy, six votes out of the 15. Then you had Tim Kelly, Jack Darling, Jerry McGovern and Andrew Gaff just polling a handful of votes after yeah. that. And that so was it. finished with 15. So yeah. the, the nine between those other four players and Josh Kennedy retiring. Uh, I, I had Josh for, for six votes in, yeah. in my calculations. I had Barass didn't get a vote. Mm. I had Barass getting four or five votes. I had Tim Kelly getting three or five, Darling getting two or three and Gaff getting two or three. Um, not surprising that the sort of year they've had. The worst, the worst season of anyone, I would say, given West Coast status for the previous 36 years that we've been around uh, and standing within the AFL as a power, uh, a power business, it's, it has to be the worst. Mm. Because you, you, expect, at... you expect a heck of a lot more. When West Coast have a bad year, you're going to expect a heck of a lot yeah. more, aren't you? Because the other thing is Brisbane in 2016 and Fitzroy in 1996 each combined a tally of 20 votes. Now, Fitzroy were on their way out. Brisbane, of course, come from a non-AFL state. The GWS Giants, also non-AFL state, polled 20 votes in their 2012 AFL debut season, as did the Gold Coast Suns in 2019. You look at the West Coast Eagles, over 100,000 members. Uh, the, the coffers are just bursting at the seams financially, yet... Everything that happened this year has been there's a it's a turn away situation for the West Coast Eagles. It's a horror show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that just a one off? That's the and I get the impression with a lot of the West Coast Eagles faithful is that they they are quick to dismiss any of us that assess them accurately. You know, we sort of say this has been a horrible. Year. I, I mean, I've di- I've said before, Peter, with you and I discussing West Coast that for mine, this is the worst West Coast have ever been. Ever, even though they've got everything else as a business, the hundred thousand members, they've got fifty million in the bank, they've got everything sound for them. But to 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 delve as far as they have for t- a two win season, to virtually not delist anyone, <laughs> the delistings are going to shock some of us. I reckon when they come during trade period or just after trade period, because there'll be some boys that are in contract. This this is this is something that I've picked up. The West Coast are going to delist some players that are actually in contract to make room for the five or six draftees they get because they've kept so many other players and given them the 31, the 32, the 33-year-olds, 
a Nick Natanui two-year deal, because they've gone with all these old guys that are past it and probably even finished some of them, they're going to go with those young players who have been around for three or four or five seasons are going to get delisted. Now, that, that will be another blight on where West Coast supposed rebuild is at and certainly another example of how low they've delved in terms of mm. under, under this Adam Simpson administration. Just in closing on that, I do understand, Peter, that the West Coast Eagles management is heavily scrutinising Coach Adam Simpson's plan to recover. There's some, there's some uncertainty about whether it's going to work, but they've backed him. They've mm. supported him. He's got three years to go on his contract. So they're looking at the fitness and conditioning program, the recruiting strategy, and clearly it's youth. No one else is coming in. They're not going to get Luke Jackson. No. No. And certainly the playing style and game plan. Now, there is some heavy scrutiny on what the heck are you going to come up with with all these blokes that are past their best and proven to be too old, as we've seen this year, with the way the game's going. And some of it is even looking at you know, what Colling would have done from 17th last year to go within a disgraceful, no, the horrendous push. piece of umpiring. Papley's push. Yeah. 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 To, to that, that doesn't happen. That free kick goes against Papley, and mm. Colling would have played this week. Yeah. And they've gone from 17th to there. But it's more so is, is their playing style. It's quick. It's youthful. It's, it, it's exhilarating. And they just go. And they, but so too to Sydney. Geelong can play at two paces. Other sides that are coming are just going to go. Can West Coast do that next year? Mm. And there's a lot of concerns about the training program that's going to help shape all these old blokes to be able to play at the pace of the game. He has to change his, his playing style or his game plan is the modern day expression. And there's a lot of concerns about whether he can actually do it. Okay. Where is Rory Lobb? It's interesting yesterday we were doing the WAFL uh, broadcasting the game between Peel and Claremont. Claremont obliterated uh, Peel by 59 points, a book of spot in the preliminary final. A few of the Dockers players were there. Blake Akers actually was there and went up to Jimmy Williams, who uh, called the game uh, yesterday with yours truly and uh, Steve Stavros Malaxis. And uh, Blake came up to Jimmy, and Jimmy asked him the question about how you're going, where you're going, and he confirmed it. He's going to Carlton. But um, actually, he made a beeline to Jimmy. Jim, Jimmy didn't make a beeline to Blake Akers. All the West Perth... Past players and current players love Jimmy Williams, mm. who's our producer. Well, why wouldn't you? He gets all the information. Don't worry about that. But let's also take a break and speak about Rory Lobb. This is becoming an absolute soap opera, well, hasn't got, it? Yes. You got and a bit more on that? A little bit more relating to some... Was it true that he didn't attend something that he should have attended yesterday? Friday. Friday. Okay. We'll take a break. Come back with more in a moment. Come and join us on the uh, Temper of Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or the Scarborough Toyota open line 131255. We're going to go through the grand final, the preliminary final, and bring you the news. And even Neville Valbany has been quick on the Temper of Bedshed text line. Neville will get to yours after the break. It's 14 past five. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. So come and join us on the Temper of Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or the Scarborough Toyota open line, which is 131255. Nev, uh, we'll come to your text uh, in a moment, also a couple of others that are coming through. Let's go to uh, the third member of the 
uh, drive with Peter Lyles and Kim Hagdorn Monday night show in Lisa. Hey, Lisa. Hi, Peter. Hi, Kim. I'm the unpaid one. <laughs> We're all unpaid, Lisa. We do this voluntarily. We do it for fun. Oh, it for it's, fun all, it's all just love, love job, is it? Yeah. Okay. No, no probs. Um, firstly, Junior Rioli's um, one vote didn't get recorded, so I'm a bit bit peed off about that. Like, why wasn't that in the paper? That's an extra extra vote to the Eagles. Oh, right. Okay. Whoopee. And um, I really enjoyed the Brownlow last night. It, was, it, it, it wasn't boring. It was just sort of, you know, just quick. And, yeah, it was, it was really good. Um, but on the goal of the year and mark of the year, I, I think they got that wrong. I think um, Toby Green's mark was a lot better. And also Josh Dacos's goal I thought that was that was a ripper too. Um, jo- but anyway, that's was that, not, was that Josh? Yeah, Josh. Where Josh? Yeah, used, yeah. used the basketball. I, I agree. I thought his was the better yeah. goal because they, the basketball. They, refer, they referenced and... to, to his dad as well. Yeah, because you know, yeah. Peter yeah. used to uh, yeah. score goals like that. Yeah, um, Haggis would be interesting to know. Um, first year players like Nick Dacos polled eleven votes last night. And it'd be interesting to know, you know, um, what other players in their first year, you know, what Brownlow votes did any of them get? When well, I went back the, and the best, Chris Judd's. Yeah, the best I can do. Oh. And you, you triggered me to do this weeks and weeks and weeks ago when you said, uh, Lisa, you came on here and said that Nick Dacos was turning in the best first year season in the history of the universe. And I quickly, <laughs> words to that effect, I quickly checked through over the next day or so thinking, well, I'm going to get see what, uh, now Nathan Buckley in 1993, uh, I looked at the rising star winners and Nathan Buckley in yeah. his first season of 1993 played 22 games, averaged 23 possessions a game and polled 14 Brownlow votes with three best on grounds. Now Nick Dacos, oh, okay. yeah, Nick Dacos, he didn't get his 14. Um mm. But it certainly it certainly rivals that I think of of Nathan Buckley you know thirty years ago because Nick Dacos uh, you know I mean his it was an outstanding season and you were on it a long time ago Lisa yeah and just quickly too um, can you just let me know why I know Eagles didn't have a very good season but Tom Barras or Barris I don't know which one it is um, it's like Petraka and Petraka yeah. Um, and and Hearn, not one vote. Donuts. Like I just don't understand. You know, like the 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 play was more in the back line when the Eagles played than anywhere else. And I I I'm just. It just, I don't know, yeah. it just staggers me that, that they never even polled one vote. Yeah, good on you, Lise. Well, I suppose the reason was that uh, they were struggling to get uh, in the top three players in most of the games. They, they were well beaten by a lot of teams and there were a lot of better players, no doubt, in games of football than maybe some of the Eagles' defence. Even though Tom Barris played that game, that standout game, uh, where was it, Hags? And was it in the second last Game of the season. It was very late in the season. Yeah, I think it was the second last game of the season. He had that standout game, and many thought that he should have polled maybe even the three votes in that game. But then the following week, uh, he went amiss. He played a very poor game. So that's a fair call, at least. We'll just uh, look at that uh, and come back to you. Here's a look uh, our text here. Uh, on the okay, temper of Bedshed, Hawthorne. Line. Against Hawthorne. So we're going, this is round 18. Yeah. 
against Hawthorne, uh, Barras had 30 possessions, took 18 marks. Yeah, that was it. Now, that was the one. And, I, and then, Luke Bruce was best on ground for mine with six goals, and Hawthorne, mm. Hawthorne won that by 25 points. And that was at the MCG. And uh, Dylan Moore was outstanding. Tom Mitchell was good. Gaff, maybe a vote, uh, 30 possessions. But Luke, uh, Luke Bruce clearly, and I thought Tom Barras was – Worthy of two votes in that. Yeah, game, but they were discussing it actually in the broadcast position after that. Some thought he could have even maybe taken the three. But fair call. So maybe you missed out in that game. Haggers, let's get some of these texts that are coming through. As I said, you text on the Temper of Bedshed text line, 0487 736 736. As long as you get in early, because even on Thursday we had some coming through, but it was about a minute before we finished. So it's always going to be difficult to acknowledge them when we're on the way out. So get in nice and early. Hey, lads, never in Albany. I said last week, no team has won a flag with less and a 115 percentage in their home and away season. 36 seasons, not one. Pies was 104. Take that stat to the bank. Good well, on you, Nev. The thing is with all those stats, Nev, and we've touched on it a little bit from time to time because some of the stats are quite uh, – they're quite intriguing, very intriguing. But I think a lot of them can go out the window. Uh, and and Nev, Nev's right in saying that there. I mean, it hasn't happened. But Collingwood went within – a bee's whisker. Diaphragm. A bee's, a bee's whisker of having the shot at Geelong next week. And it had, the, I mean, it's a silly hypothetical, but you couldn't discount that Sydney can beat Geelong next Saturday and had Collingwood gotten there. With the way they play and the sort of season they've had, they just might have. Who knows? No, I, I, However, I my biggest point about the way current football is being played, you can throw some statistics away because it's about pressure, sustained pressure, so exerting it and absorbing it. And Collingwood and Sydney showed the other day the pressure level of that game, and yet Collingwood still ran back at them after being 36 points down five minutes into the third quarter and and could have stolen the game. A disgraceful umpiring call to allow Papley to have that goal, to kick it back to 26 as opposed to, you know, Collingwood down to score at 14 mm. with plenty of time left. No, the point with all these stats, Nev, you're right, but this final series and the way the current footy is being played, you absorb pressure, you exert pressure, and then play with such quick gay abandon and score with running goals especially, crumbing goals especially, like Collingwood can, you, you can't discount it. Okay, uh, Pete and Haggers, I'm sick of waiting for lost changes. Why the secrecy? We've known for months about Frio. Who is in? Who is out for the Eagles? Question mark. Drives me mad the lack of transparency. In the age of rebuild, need to send hope to members and not once, but over and over again. No name on that. So, you know, there's, mm. e- there's Eagles. Good, so they're to- and lost, I think you said. That, I reckon that's list. I reckon that should read as list, yeah, Peter. So yeah. list changes. Well, West Coast have got away with a heck of a lot this year. I don't think West Coast... So where is the transparency? When will we know what they're doing and what they're planning? Well, Around the the trade period? Well, we've been told all along that West West Coast don't plan to make known their list changes, so their delistings, until after the trade, Mm. which tends to indicate, as I say, West Coast have got a lot of players still in contract that must be up for trade. They're probably not going to attract much interest. Because the players they're talking about, they've just been part of the worst season in West Coast history. Are they going to be any, of any appeal anywhere else? Mm. Josh Rotham, perhaps. 
but I, I can help here. These, these are my delistings for the ba- so this this is us trying to be transparent. We're trying to read what West, where West Coast are at. Hugh Dixon will be gone. Braden Ainsworth will be gone. Josh Rotham now he's still got contract time. Mm. He's got two years to go. He's going to ask to be traded. Isaiah Winder, Luke Edwards, Alex Witherden still with time left on a contract. Jackson Nelson, Patrick Nash. None of them are household names, but no. these are the boys that are going to cop it in the neck so that the likes of Jack Redden can play again mm. and probably get four or $500,000 a year, and he should be playing reserves all year at best. Okay. Uh, Hags, let's move on. Uh, 0487-736-736, the temper of bedshed text line. Uh, Pete and Kim. Barris not getting votes for his game against the Hawks. Beggars belief. 30 possessions, 18 marks, an efficiency rate of 93% and 10 coaches' votes puts his game in perspective. Kim, did you have Hearn getting votes? Cheers from Big Al there in North Lake uh, just on the, in that game because Hearn was good in that game as well against the Hawks. Well, Hearn, Hearn had a couple of games where, yeah, I think yeah, it was you're thinking, a two or a one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So However, there's... There's a little bit of bias clearly in that, West Australian bias. Uh, and you sort of also at times looked and gave, you know, Shannon Hearn, for instance, you know, a vote or a, you had him as your second or third best player. A bit on sympathy because you thought, gee, the poor bugger's tried so mm, hard. Mm. Now the umpires aren't going to give votes for just trying. Yeah. The mark of the year wasn't even the best mark in the game. Hayden Young took a screamer in yeah, that match yeah. and it was a better mark. Uh, yeah. Good on you, Paul. Fair yeah. call. I think we all agree. With that as well. Okay, let's go back. Hearn, Hearn, the closest I thought Hearn to be robbed for a vote was when West Coast got smashed by Carlton. Hearn, Hearn was just a standard. He just tried his backside off all day. But Carlton had probably 10 other contenders for the best on ground. Hewitt was best on ground for mine. So this is Hearn getting 28 possessions and 10 marks, uh, trying to hold the dam from breaking yeah, when yeah. they lost to, by, lost to Carlton by 10 goals. And that was the game where West Coast didn't score in their first or last quarter. You couldn't justify giving someone a bloke vote just for trying and being their best player. Now, Frio fans are just hanging on here, Hags, because we did mention that Rory Lobb before the break. Um, where is that sat? It was interesting yesterday at Claremont Oval. I got a pat on the shoulder and I looked around. It was Colin Young. So he was there, the... Uh, manager of Rory Lobb, but I was did on. Get him? Did you say no? Nah, I, I was broadcasting. It was the, such a poor game. You should have got him uh, on. That would be more interesting. Yeah, than, than... but he's, you know, he seemed pretty relaxed. He had thongs, a white t-shirt, and black shorts on. Even though it was a pretty uh, cold day out there at Claremont, but young, he sort of grabbed me in the neck, and I've looked around and just sort of waved to him. So, oh, well, no doubt, where, what's happening there? Because clearly, he doesn't want to be there. Frio are digging their heels in. Uh, this is a crazy situation here. To me, this is Rory just, Lobb. To, well, Rory Lobb's going to the Bulldogs. It, but, it, the deal so will get done. So what are Frio trying to achieve here? I think Fremantle are actually, and, and Peter Bell, as football manager, who's, who's overseen all of this, I think he's running a little bit concerned. And so this is a bit of a standoff to try and make it look as though Fremantle are not letting all these players walk out easily. Uh, Rory Lobb has to go. They told him last year during trade, before trade period last year, when he asked to be traded then to the GWS, mm. when it didn't come off, they wouldn't take his money on the GWS. He was on huge money for this season. It's not as huge money next season, um, but GWS wouldn't take it on. So Peter Bell, Justin Longmuir and Rory Lobb agreed. Get through 2022. Do the best you can for us. Help us go as far as we can, and then we'll let you go. Now, this is a standoff because Fremantle are now having a lot of players indicate they want out. 
there's 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 some concerns at Fremantle now. Peter Bell called an urgent meeting last Friday morning for all Fremantle contracted players, no exceptions. Turn up, and then when they're all inside the lecture theatre, said to them, "If any more of you blokes want to leave, I need to know by the end of business today, so that we can uh, make some decisions of whether we want to keep you or whether we're going to help you go." But clearly. Fremantle management is tired of the amount of players who are indicating, I want to go. Mm. Now, I'm told Rory Lobb didn't go to that meeting, refused to go, but two other players didn't go that are in contracts. Remember, it's only contracted players. So yeah. this is not Acres, it's not Logue, who we know are going elsewhere. Logue to North Melbourne, Acres to Carlton. That That's a lock. That's confirmed. But they're uncontracted players. The contracted players, there was two more that didn't turn up last Friday because they intend to ask to be to be traded. Mm. So there's there's some six or seven players from Fremantle. That's that amazing. Lead. It's it's mind boggling. Uh, just quickly, we might have to get Peter Vashby in, fellas, because uh, he'll be waiting for a while if we take a break. Pete, uh, just before we go to the break, uh, thanks for joining us on the program and giving us a call on the Scarborough Toyota open line thirteen twelve fifty five. Go ahead, Pete. Hello, Peter. Go yeah, ahead, Pete. Um. Just wanted to talk about people missing out on votes. Um, all year, Brayshaw and Sarong, at the end of every game that Frio played, just about, they couldn't split them. They'd say, well, we're going to give it to Sarong. Or, you know, we think Brayshaw was a bit better. Surely Sarong deserved more votes than he got uh, last night. Mm. Well, I, I didn't have him as such. I, I didn't have uh, Sarong for many votes at all, to be honest, uh, uh, Peter. I I I th- I thought Will Brody would have a much better year than Caleb Sarong, and Caleb Sarong didn't, for mine, didn't start to get that sort of recognition. Certainly in terms of coverage, no, I'm talking about the broadcast and yeah. telecast games and, and broadcast from the boys. I've I've got Sarong, you know, not 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 amongst Fremantle's top few players much at all through the season. I thought he was serviceable, but it wasn't until later in the season when he started to bob up a bit more. But I've got Brody. I've got Brody like from round 17, Brayshaw Brody, round 18, Ryan and Brody, round 19, Young and Brody, uh, round 20, Aish and Brody when they got beaten by Melbourne, uh, Ryan and Sarong in round 21, Darcy Akers, Sarong in round 22. Sarong was best, I thought, for Fremantle. Uh, against GWS, but not early in the season, mm. not nearly as uh, as 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 um, pr- uh, proficient, I reckon, as and as certainly Will Brody. Will Brody was consistent all year. He got eleven I had, votes. I had, I had him for fifteen votes. Yeah, and he got eleven uh, last night. Pete, yeah. uh, thanks for the call, mate. Uh, that's Hags's uh, sort of little take there on Caleb Sarong, whose best game was probably, as we know in that final. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, by the way, uh, it is a long weekend coming up. We've got Thursday uh, holiday, but we'll be here, so make sure you tune in. Double demerits apply from midnight Thursday until midnight Monday for drink and drug driving, not wearing a seatbelt or running a red light. Get caught and you could lose your licence twice as fast. And let me tell you, they're coming through fast. Are the texts on the temperate bedshed text line. We're going to acknowledge some of those after the break here on Drive. Yeah, so just don't forget, double demerits apply from midnight Thursday until midnight Monday for speeding or using a mobile phone or radar detector while driving. Get caught and you could lose your licence twice as fast. Please take care on the roads. While we're talking about Fremantle and players, one thing I can... I saw Lloyd Meek yesterday. Yeah. Tried his guts out. Tried his heart. He's Mm. been working... I think he's been pretty... um, 
proficient in recent times, working his backside off to try and get keep Peel in the finals, but uh, just got overrun yesterday. Too many of the Fremantle listed players had poor days yesterday mm, for Pugh. Mm. Some of them looked as though they didn't really want to be there. But what news Lloyd, have you got on Lloyd Meek? Meek is in heavy demand. Now, Meek, uh, so he's 24. He's only played the 15 games for Fremantle, as we've said numerous times. He's expected to double his earnings, Peter. He'll double. double. He will double his earnings by taking one of the many offers that are on the table for him to go elsewhere and leave Fremantle. Now, I, I think Meek is most likely to head to GWS, where he's, you know, he's going to jump from about probably high 200s, 300 grand a year to about six hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars a year and mm-hmm. get a three or four year deal. Mm-hmm. Now, GWS is the most likely, but Gold Coast, North Melbourne, Richmond, St Kilda, Geelong. I understand, are all showing interest in Lloyd Meek. So he's another one of the contracted players that, that, that is looking around and probably going to get a really good deal elsewhere. And if Fremantle get Luke Jackson, as we think they will, I think that deal will be done eventually. And part of the standoff with Lloyd Meek, oh, sorry, with uh, Rory Lobb, is for Fremantle to get the best possible deal they can from the Bulldogs to help them put together a package to give it to Melbourne for Luke Jackson to come to Perth. So Lloyd Meek would be another one that they would have to try or could trade and get a reasonable swap of picks, pick or picks, to go with the package that Fremont need to put together for Luke Jackson. Gee, they're putting a lot of players uh, out. I tell you, I've never, I've never experienced anything like this in relation to a, a successful team that supposedly is going players and how many of the current uh, squad are at the exit gate. It's just remarkable. Anyway, let's go to Paula Gosnells, who's joined us on the Scarborough Toyota open line. 13-12-55. Hi, Paul. Hey, g'day, boys. Hey, um, I want to talk about uh, front-ended contracts, but um, uh, Kim, are you prepared to say who the two players who didn't turn up to the meeting were? Nah, nah, because Fremantle... Oh... I, th- I have think you, got, you have might you got find, their jumper numbers. I think you might. <laughs> I think you might find that uh, the likes of Josh Tracy and uh, Sam Sturt, who are in contract, are also considering whether they can get a better deal somewhere else. Mm. So there you go. Interesting. Um, so front-ended contracts. So Pet players, you, you touched on this a bit to, uh, when you were talking about Rory Lobb earlier, saying yeah. that next year he's on less than he will be was on this year. So. I think when someone signs a front-ended contract and takes the big dollars at the front end, they are obligated, as far as I'm concerned, to write out that contract and play for the smaller bit. And if, for example, um, Lobb wanted to leave at the end of this season and an agreement was worked out between him and the club, that contract then should have been smoothed out so that over the two remaining years, it was um, shared 50-50. And I think you might find if that had happened that the deal might be a bit easier to get done right now. Mm. Yeah, that's a good call. Good on you, Paul. Yeah, no, good good comment. We'll discuss it now, mate. Thanks for your call. Yeah, but with the GWS involvement last year, my understanding was that once GWS indicated that they wouldn't wouldn't pay a big portion Mm. of what Rory Lobb was due for this year, that that that's when that... He'll fell through. Okay. Uh, let's go to the temper of bedshed text line. Guys heard the Eagles are still waiting for players to get back from overseas holidays. That's why contract and delistings haven't happened as yet. Good on you, no, Elise. No, no, no. Uh, please, just letting please. you know that Braden Ainsworth is not on the Eagles list, was delisted last year. Okay. So just a, a correction on that. Norman Cowell says, no disrespect, Pete, but the long weekend is the Queen's birthday long weekend. 
Are they going to change that to the King's birthday or get rid of it altogether because it's a main event over East? Is it not? I've got no idea. I've got no idea what they'll do with the, the holiday that we've got on Monday well, here, which is, this, yeah, this, which is the Queen's birthday holiday. I don't know, Norm, what they're going to do. But, uh, but our, our Queen's birthday holiday coming this weekend, uh, I think it's pushed back and called the Queen's birthday, same as in Melbourne. It's it's that second weekend in June. Isn't that's it? right. When they we have because the we have the WA Day long weekend, and they June, have the following weekend, yeah, and we don't have the Queen's birthday. That's when Melbourne and Collingwood play on that Monday. Yeah. Um, Big L's back on again. Kim, what was your issue with the Papley mark? The laws of the game provide for incidental contact when going for a mark. Oh. Now, hang on. <laughs> let me read it. Let me read it, Haggis. The umpiring department says mixed messages as to how it should be interpreted. Now, Hawkins generally gets away with it, with commentators claiming he makes good use of his body. Tex Walker is another who uses good use of his body, that is, no, no, no. his no. hands, no. to work his opponent under the foot. He generally gets away with it. Oh, the Papley one was a, just a dead set push in the back. <laughs> I Tom tend Hawkins, to agree with you, Tom Hawkins to has got away with just a dead set push in the back. Uh, Tex Walker, Taylor Walker has got away with some dead set pushes in the middle of the back. They're just terrible umpiring decisions. The worst one that I've seen in 2022 was Papley's push in the back of Darcy Moore on Saturday afternoon. He was squarely pushed in the middle of the back and pushed forward. I mean, if you hold your hands, if you are going to astutely use your body, as is some feeling, and your hands go into an opponent's back, so whether you're the forward or the defender, but particularly, say, the forward, so Hawkins. Let's, let's stay with Tommy mm-hmm. Hawkins. He, he'll probably do it this week. Yeah. So he puts his hands in the back. Now, if his hands stay and his elbows stay locked, so that's a push of strength, the, the defender is pushing back but on those back hands. On him. He's holding his ground. As soon as his elbows extend, that's a push. Yeah. And if they extend... At the ferocity with what Papley did on Saturday, it's a dead set Can push I tell and you, a blatant push in the back. And the, a discre- Simon Meredith's had a really poor. Final we were series. talking about poor it yesterday. I was talking about uh, this to a couple of people before we went on radio yesterday mm-hmm. about the game on Saturday. The umpires were very poor in that last quarter. They well, were very, very reluctant to pay a free kick. There was free kicks everywhere in that last five or ten minutes, and they didn't pay any of them. I, I, I'm not the one that falls for. I mean, you know, you hear so often the, the commentary, oh, the umpires have put the whistle away. I reckon that's good umpiring. No, it's not. If there's free it's kicks It's not good there, umpiring. Give, no, exactly. Give them, and, they, give and there was a lot of free kicks yeah. that weren't paid in the final ten minutes of yeah. that game. I'll tell you the Saturday. other one that where I think I, – I think Jack Ginnivan – has been absolutely castigated this season. He he is. They are umpiring him differently to the rest of the competition. Aussie, Aussie rules. <laughs> the, the whole sport. whole industry, the whole sport. He's being umpired on his own. The fifty metre penalty that he gave the other day, when he ran up to the mark and stopped and looked at the umpire, and the umpire said fifty metres. The umpire one hadn't called stand and two hadn't set the mark. The kid that was crazy. Stopped. The kid stopped on the mark, and when when we saw that in replay, you thought you saw the. I think he, his foot just moved, but he was his, his, no, heel, no. his heel was locked, wasn't oh, it? I, I reckon just his, that. Fo- his foot really? might have just moved a fraction. Well, then if his name but, was, but it was re- uh, it was common sense. It was a stupid decision. If his name was Jack Gavinsky, yeah, or Jack Smith, he or Jack Jones. It would have been stand, stand, not up 50 metres. That's get you. rid of that Number rule. Number 33. Should we, the... we get rid of that rule? Oh, you'd love it too. Yeah. And you'd hope with Gillan McLaughlin gone 
that there's a bit of latitude because I, I'm not so sure that uh, too many of the football administrators at the AFL are game to have too much mm. to say. I mean, and that Brad Scott should be able to be better than that. Okay, we need to clear our final break uh, here it's on that time already. Jesus, oh, we got to the grand final. Yet. Oh no, we're going to talk about it briefly after. I this. want to quickly throw up the grand final issues, but also who might we be seeing for the last time? Could this okay. week, this Saturday. All right, it's going to be interesting. Toolmart, uh, get the right tool from the start. They are the Complete Tool Centre. They bring you Drive with Peter Vlahos and Kim Hagdorn. Okay, Hags, let's quickly uh, get to one last text. Hey, lads, it wasn't... This is about Jack Ginevan when he was conceded the 50 metres. It wasn't for moving. He was paid for stepping over the nine metres. You have to be nine metres back from the boundary line when you're uh, in defence. No, 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 no. Every player You have to be nine metres back when you're inside the goal area. That was... Get rid of it. Get rid of the stand rule. Okay, uh, let's look at the grand final. Well... There's so much out of it, isn't there? The, yeah. the whole grand final week, it's fascinating. But I, I've jotted down you know, five or six issues from each of the two teams that I think will be fascinating. And the, the number one from both of or each of the teams is the, the biggest name player in their team, in my opinion. Mm. Joel Selwood, a fourth premiership, 40th final, sixth time in the grand final. Does he play on again next year? And I'm seeing a couple of signs which are making me think he's preparing to retire. I don't think it'll be a good time. If they win yeah. the premiership, it'll be a good he, time for him. Geelong called a media conference today for, with their entire squad. So they call them open media sessions. Yeah. Everyone goes there. And they had an open training session today as well. But Joel Selwood, no access at this. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying he's going to announce it this week. I'm just thinking this bloke knows if we get up, I might pull the pin because I think, you know, with his – you know, 355th game, you know, the records that he's created, this is his 16th season. It just might be it for Joel Selwood. Now, the other one, of course, and is this will rage buddy. your week. Yeah. What are you, again, I, thought, I thought he struggled a bit on the weekend. Did you? Yeah, I thought he struggled. I thought he struggled a lot at times all season, but he still has those flashes where he is the old Franklin. Like, you know, he got up there and, and took an overhead mark and then was just fancy with it and dropped it. Yeah. You know, he just, I don't know, he's not as clinical as he used to be. And that's he's 35, the, and that, and Let me finish the sentence. I was going to say that he's in his <laughs> mid-30s. You wouldn't expect him to be the player of 10 years ago. 35. He's been an absolute warrior. Don't get me wrong. He's been brilliant. But anyway, I just think his days are numbered now. Okay. So either of those or both could go. I think you'll finish at Sydney at the end of the year. Yeah, fair enough. Well, hang on, hang on. You've left it open there. Well, Sydney. Does he finish somewhere else? He could possibly go north and maybe be a bit of a a marquee player. I tell you what, I'd rather have him at 35. In fact, I'd rather have Lance Franklin in three or four years' time than the garbage that Brisbane have to put up with from Joe Danaher. Ugh. He is just stealing money from the competition. <laughs> so Lance Franklin, clearly a, a watch. The other one that we can't, from our town's viewpoint, Tom Hickey. Hey. Now, I thought he was one of the best on ground. He would have been handy for the West Coast oh, Eagles this season. Absolutely. Unbelievable. And at the end, I don't think Sydney are going to win. We'll debate it further but he on was Thursday. Good. But he was and he kicks goals. Yeah, Sam Reid already ruled out he's not going to play. The other one, of course, is Logan McDonald. He didn't have much of a game on the weekend, but yeah. the longer the game went, the more... Took com- that one good grab from behind and yeah, kicked the goal. Yeah, that was, yeah, his, that yeah. was his feature and highlight. Now, the other one from... from that's huge, I think, from Geelong, and we'll talk about it. The whole week we'll talk about it. Does Tom Hawkins go on, 34, looking for a third premiership? It's his fourth grand final. He's only kicked six goals mm. in three in three grand finals. And Patrick Dangerfield, his first potential premiership. I'm not saying he's going anywhere, but 
you just might. It's only his second grand final. He's done everything else. But there's so many. And Max Holmes. I, I, I doubt he'd get up, no matter what they're saying with the hamstring. So you got a huge round of applause today down there at Carnegie Park when he was jogging laps. We'll have yeah. to wait and see. But we'll have it all for you Thursday night. Thursday night we'll be here between 5 and 6. So come and join us. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Jimmy. See you, boys. Who is the, uh, yeah, the Messiah Girls. at West Perth? He's getting excited. He's wearing his West Perth tracksuit even tonight. All Get it washed, Jimmy. All three grades, West yeah. Perth. Yeah. See you tomorrow from five.